success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And we have in the studio today, the amazing Michelle Jakobic. Michelle has spent over 25 years in business, finance, and insurance. She's a successful business coach and profitability strategist who works closely with entrepreneurs to create financial stability so they can move the needle from surviving to thriving in their businesses. In addition to running her own multi-million dollar insurance agency that she has since sold, she has been a renowned speaker and a contributing writer for Thrive Global, as well as the author of the Amazon bestseller, Prosperity After Divorce. Take charge of your finances and create the life you really want using lifestyle redesign planning. Welcome, Michelle. It's so great to have you here today. It is so great to be here, Cammie. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. I always love to, to chat with you, and it's so great today to share you with our listeners. So let's get started. I want to jump right in. Let's tell the listeners, you know, who is Michelle Jacobic? What makes you invincible? And how did you get to where you are today? I love that. I love the name of the podcast. And I, I think it's such a good question, right? Like what makes us invincible? And I think the first thing that comes to mind when I think about invincible is two qualities I think that are so important in every entrepreneur, which is resilience and persistence, right? Um, must being able to muster through uh, life's changes, planned or unplanned, any transitions, um, being able to pivot. I would say that um, I have a, a pretty good style around those two things of resilience and persistence and um, positivity, right? So just the ability to roll up my sleeves and trying to see the good in everything and um, whether, you know, there's a challenge in front of me uh, or somebody maybe that I'm uh, in relationship with, whether that's a client or one of our children, for example, um, the ability to pull together the pieces of, you know, opportunities through the obstacles. So I would say that um, that when I think of invincible, I guess I'd have to put on my cape around resilience and persistence to feel invincible. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. I love how you describe that. So tell me and our listeners, how did you become a business coach and profitability strategist? Yeah, so um, it, it was a really great journey to where I am today. It wasn't easy. Uh, there was a, a lot of um, change for me. So first, I my background is in insurance, and I had 20, 25 plus years um, as an owner of a property and casualty agency, and I worked with entrepreneurs for over 20 years. 
and um, loved the ability to step on their journey. And yes, I was in this place of protecting them and helping them figure out, you know, how to, you know, protect their workers, how to protect their buildings, how to protect their businesses from liability. Um, but I never felt like I was, I don't want to say just an insurance agent, but I don't think anybody wakes up and says, I think I want to be an insurance agent one day. Um, if that wasn't the case for me, I kind of fell into it. What I loved about it um, in that part of my life is that I really took on the role of a trusted advisor with my clients. And over, you know, 25 plus years, I served thousands of business owners. And um, that was the beginning of my journey. I made a decision. I, I always knew it wasn't going to be the only thing that I was going to do. But as you know, when you're in business and you've grown something from where you started, I bought the company that I worked for actually before I turned 30. And I grew that company with a business partner from 600,000 in sales to over 12 million. And we had 14 employees. Things were thriving. I loved what I did. But there was this internal guidance thing happening for me for a couple of years where I was feeling like it was time to move on and there was something else for me to be doing in the world. And um, it wasn't an easy decision to make because I had come through a divorce four years earlier um, from making that decision. And I found myself in a place of not wanting to you know, rock the boat, the financial stability boat, as many of us women don't want to do. Um, we have a desire for security and stability, and that was the same for me. But I kept getting this urging and this inkling of you're not supposed to be here much longer. And um, I started to pay attention and I started to think and ask myself questions like, what would it look like if I chose to do something else? Um, engage with a coach. It was actually the first time that I engaged with a life coach versus hiring a business consultant. I had always had mentors, business consultants alongside of me for all of the years that I owned the business. Um, but there was the first time that I made an investment in myself personally to figure out what was the next step for me. I truly had no idea. Um, and after asking myself some questions, uh, really good questions and working with this person for five or six weeks, it was a pretty easy for conclusion for me to figure out that I could set the stage, at least from a financial perspective. Um, what my book is about is lifestyle redesign planning. I could pick apart the pieces and figure out how could I make a shift in my career, selling the business, making decisions around what that looked like personally, so that I could simplify my life and quite honestly, spend more time with my kids. Um, that's really what the decision was based on, but mostly from a place of, I know that I'm not supposed to be here much longer, that there's more for me to do. Um, does that answer your question? It does. I love what you said about it, that internal guiding, you know, it's so, that is such a hard thing to describe. And I love that you describe that in such a way, because, you know, I kind of say like, you know, you know, you were made for more, right? Like you look around yeah. and you're like, this can't be all there is, right? There has to be more than this. And not that what you were doing wasn't great. It was, but it wasn't, giving you the greatness that you knew you you could have and i just love that and you know one of the things i want to say about this and just commend you on is it takes great courage to shift 
right? When things are going well and you are very successful to be able to abandon that. And when I say abandon, of course, sell and make a ton of money, but still, you know, you built that and to, it takes a lot of courage to be able to step away from that and into this next new thing that is really uncertain. And I, so I love what you said, like resilience and just all the things that you you described invincible to you as was was the very things that you took from one journey to the next to get you where you are today. Ah, that's so powerful. I love what you're saying too, because you know, Cami, I think the thing is what's so interesting, the biggest aha that I had through that transition was understanding for the first time that I wasn't, I who I am is not what I do right? When you strip away 27 years of being at the top of your game, I was great at what I did. I loved what I did. I loved my customers. Um, It was really when you wake up and you have nothing on your calendar and you have no idea what you're doing next, right? Um, It's a really challenging place. And I, especially as somebody who's super goal-driven and performance-driven, when you go from being in that place of doing and striving and moving and growing all the time into this place of self-awareness and then this this ability to offer yourself the gift which so many people right now are getting because of covid right they're like forced into this place um when you choose it it's it's really um an interesting battle with your own identity because when you, when I stripped away who I was in the community, five nonprofit boards, head of the chamber, you know, all of these things layered out 25 years to now who I am I, and then reinventing like what is going to be next and getting quiet enough to figure those pieces out, which took me a year, right? It took me a year um, in the first 11 weeks. So I had so many people asking me, Um, in the first few weeks after selling my business and stepping away, what's next? What's next? And I didn't have an answer. And I honestly got tired of being asked. And I was like, I'm going to take 12 weeks off. That's what's next. And I'm just going to rest. And by the 11th week, people were calling and texting and emailing and saying, okay, like what's next? It's 11 weeks. And, and I thought, you know, I'm going to take a year. I have no idea what's next. And I hadn't gotten quiet enough or given myself enough grace to figure it out. Um, And it was a beautiful year of exploration. I, you know, I love what you said because some days it felt really great. It felt like I was putting on new skin. I I guess I would say it felt like a pair of heels, right? They, they look great. It feels really, they feel really good on one day. And then like you take them off and the next day you have blisters and it feels like crap to put them back on. So it depended on the day when I was moving through that, um, identity shift around understanding who I was as a person um, outside of what I did and then being enamored with that and figuring out the pieces that I liked about myself and the places that I was stretching and growing personally so that I could show up fully in this next chapter because I do believe that we have chapters right and um, and that's exactly what you're saying like you kind of have we have this inkling of life has different chapters and are we okay with turning the page and beginning to write the next, the next step? So. Yeah. 
the next bestseller, right? Because each one is greater, right? Than the last. I love, I love that. And that's what She's Invincible podcast is all about. It's about how, and that's what the boxing gloves represent. It's like we're living life in boxing rounds and each round is different. And some rounds you win and some rounds you get knocked down, right? You get yeah. knocked out and you lose. But at the end of every round, you go back to your corner and when the bell rings, you get back up and you get back in the ring. Yes, exactly. And so, and so this is just so fun to have this conversation with you because that is exactly what this is all about and what really drove me to create the podcast and to call it She's Invincible and to brand it with boxing gloves. And, ah, this is so, so great. Okay. So, um, let's talk about some strategy and tips that you can share with our listeners uh, that could help them right now with where they are uh, in finance and and around that topic. I love it. So thanks, because, you know, this is in this chapter, this is really what I'm so passionate about. Um, It really is about helping entrepreneurs win at this game of business, right? Um, And I think the biggest thing for me, you know, is as a profitability strategist, because that's what I'm doing today. I'm showing up as a business coach and a mentor and who focuses on revenue and profitability. And my process that I call Envision is is a combination of both connecting with your vision and goals, right? Being clear about what, what is it, what is the life you're trying to create? Understanding your numbers, right? So it's vision flow, cash flow, obviously, but I just go with the word flow and then connecting the two of those to then growth, right? So helping clients get more, helping my clients get more clients, make more money, but most importantly, make a bigger difference in the, in the world with the impact from the work that they're doing. So the piece for me that I love to talk about because so many people don't really want to talk about it in business is the profitability piece, right? We all go into business. You know, I can start, I can be talking in a room of 200 women and ask how many of you have a degree in entrepreneurship and not one hand goes up, right? Yet we all leap into business with a purpose or this thought around what it's going to look like and how we're going to serve and all of this energy of how we can use our gifts and our talents but we don't always have a plan. And you know, it's, it, the statistic is true still today that 66% of businesses will not make it past year three and only 15% will make it beyond year 10. So it's my mission and my passion to really be talking with as many entrepreneurs as I can and around this area of money. And it doesn't have to be that they're even entrepreneurial because at the end of the day, if you're not a business owner, you're still the CEO of your household many times, right? So having an understanding of your money, the lifestyle design, but in relation to from a business perspective, looking at profitability is so important. And and here's why I want to be talking about it because Believe it or not, only 39% of business owners actually look at their numbers faithfully every single month. Only 39%. That's a really low ratio. 35% sometimes do it. And quite honestly, 26% hardly ever do it. And they're like, what reports, <laughs> right? They know tax time and they have to pull all their things together. And they always are in this place of shame and guilt. If they didn't have their financial you know, numbers at their fingertips, it seems like it's so much work at the end of the year to pull things together to make good decisions. So 
for me, it's really asking your audience first before they start to think about what they should be looking at is to take a pulse on where they are, right? So asking yourself, are you engaged with your numbers or are you an avoider? So many people are avoiders, right? They're in that 39%. I'm sorry, the, the 35% that just are like, eh, sometimes I'll look at it. They'd rather not. They'd rather just keep going towards their goal, going towards the big number, not getting stuck in the, in, in the weeds of like what the numbers look like. Because a lot of times, quite honestly, when I speak, there's a lot of guilt and shame right? So many women will come into business, 37% of business, actually, um, women business owners will launch their business on credit cards. And they, they're making investments in themselves. But three years later, when the credit card is still there, it's now debt, and there's a lot of guilt and shame around it. So they, the ability to avoid is easier when you have that in the mix. So the first thing I ask the audience to think about is, are you engaging with your numbers and looking at them? or take the pulse, are you an avoider? And, and be honest with yourself about that. The second thing would be, do you have a process or a formal platform by which you can track both your income and expenses, right? So do you have a metrics that you can pull your numbers, whether that is in an Excel sheet or QuickBooks, you should have a formal or some, some platform or some process of being able to know month to month what your income was and what your expenses were. And then the, the third thing, when you're taking a pulse before you start to think about what you should look at, would be, do you have a date on your calendar every month to actually review your numbers and metrics? So my recommendation to people is by the you know 10th of the month, the 15th of the, of the following month, you should always have a date with yourself the same way you would have a date with a client, right? You put yourself in there and you make, you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes to actually look at your business metrics and your numbers. You know, I, I think the most important thing is that you don't need to go overboard. You don't need a ton of spreadsheets. Many times when I engage with clients, they are either all of one where they're doing nothing or they're doing so much it's overwhelming. Like I come in and I'm overwhelmed, but what you really need is a cohesive way where you can actually see what you're taking in month to month, quarter to quarter and year to year. And then what's going out. Right. And then simply simplify your review, simplify it with using an accounting software, simplify it by, you know, having things uniform that you pull the same exact metrics every single month. And I would say to people, you know, if you are struggling in, in this area, it should be the first place that you get support, right? If you're looking at investing in human capital and the things that um, allow you to stay in your brilliance, in your business, invest in a bookkeeper that can keep your monthly view up to date, download your credit card statement, download your bank statement, pull all the metrics together and say, for example, a QuickBooks, but making sure that you've, if, if it feels like a big struggle for you, that you've got support and that you're using somebody that can pull it together, right? Because building a company isn't always easy. And you, if you're trying to do everything, generally, this will be one of the things that actually goes by the wayside. So this is a place that you definitely want to get support. So those are the pulses, right? On a month-to-month -month basis, what I definitely recommend people review are four different metrics. I always say that there's magic in the metrics, right? So 
the first thing that your audience should be doing is reviewing their P&L. So the P&L, you may hear it that way, is your profit and loss report. And this helps you identify if you're actually making money, right? So you want to, it, it basically says, here's your income minus all of your expenses for the month. So right down to, you know, your networking costs, your audible, if you have, have a subscription, maybe you have lead pages, everything that is the cost of you doing business gets subtracted from the income and then you come up with your profit, right? Either a profit or a loss. And it's super important that when you're looking at your profit and loss, I tell people to, to really dissect as much as you can, right? You want to, if, so for example, I'll, I'll give you an idea of how I break my income down. And you, have, you want to break down as many categories as you can, okay? So for me, I have private clients. I have a mastermind group. I have a membership program. I have book sales. You mentioned that I have a book on Amazon. So I have money coming in from Amazon for book sales. I may do a book signing. So I actually separate Amazon book sales from my book signing book sales. I do events and workshops and then I do speaking. So that I break all of those things into categories so that when I'm actually looking at my profit and loss report, I can actually see if there was no book sales this month, I can see that, right? I can dissect the revenue for the month or for the quarter or for the year by all of the different means for which money came in. And this may seem so basic, like, but doesn't everybody do that? Cause I don't know, Cammy, like if you're, you know, like, oh yeah, this all makes sense. I've been doing this for years, but I cannot tell you 40% of the people that I talk to are not. It's all lumped together and, they really don't have a great pulse on where the profit is coming from in their business. Um, and then the second piece of that is the most, the second layer is reviewing your profit margin, right? So looking at what you made in the month minus your expenses equals your profit and understanding if you were to divide your profit by your revenue, what's your margin? Like, what are you actually making? Right. And I think it's so important to know that that second layer of what's your profit margin, because is it better or worse than last month? Is it better or worse than last quarter? Is it better or worse than last year or the year before? Can it be improved? If, if you have a 40% margin, you could set a goal to improve that by 5%. And the magic is, okay, if I'm going to improve by 5%, where would I do that? Well, it's either more income or less expenses. So knowing what the profit margin is, not just your profit, but what your margin is, allows you to identify whether you've, you know, whether your margin shrunk or grew. Um, and I think it also is good for people to understand if the margin went down, it's important for them to be able to identify, for example, where they made investments. So clearly if my margin goes down and I invested in staff or I outsourced some things and my expenses went up, I might be making an investment in human capital that may not pay off right away, but I know that I'm making that investment in human capital to have more profit down the road. So just being able to look at your numbers and answer why it's down feels so good.
And I think that's the biggest piece of this is getting people to understand that if they look at the numbers, that they should be able to explain when something is up or down and feel good about it. Like feel good about the fact that, yep, I know that's that way because I took three weeks off or I hired a VA. Does, does that make sense in terms yeah. of not just looking at profit, but looking at the margins of things as well, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, so many people will say to me, well, what's a healthy margin? And it's different for everybody, right? So in, in a coaching model, service industries that operate virtually, which I do, I'm virtual, um, I tend to have a higher profit margin because I don't have as much overhead. I don't have products, right? Like Amazon hosts my book. I don't have to buy tons of books to go out. Um, but, a, but a store, a client who's a retail store or a salon, for example, has inventory that they've got to carry. Maybe they have somebody answering the phone. So it really is different for everybody. Restaurants have a very smaller margin. And again, they need to break out, you know, is there, is there profits higher for breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Is it the coffee? Is it the pizza? Like where, where's the magic in the things that they're doing and having the ability to come in and dissect and decipher the things in your business, help you feel more empowered around making better decisions. And I think the other piece um, that the other two sides of this is when you have the ability and the metrics to, to, to start to dissect, it actually becomes fun, right? You, if, even if you don't like numbers, it can become fun because you'll start to, it starts to become this, well, where do I want to improve? Where can I grow? And you start to play a game around winning at certain areas and not just thinking about that big goal. Like, Oh, I want to make six figures. You know, I'm a firm believer that you celebrate along the way. And just because somebody says, I want to make six figures doesn't mean that the profit margin I can't tell you how many six figure owners that I work with that weren't paying themselves a paycheck. Right. Yeah. But there's a huge difference between what your revenue is and what you're actually taking home. And I think that's the biggest struggle that business owners have is that they don't step into this place of really empowering themselves to understand how to activate a paycheck from the business. Right. And sometimes that's fear. And sometimes there's just lack of funds to be able to make that happen. Uh, many times they're running personal expenses through, and I love to shift them to say, no, take the paycheck so you feel good about the fact that you're running a business that's profitable enough to pay yourself and then go pay your bills, right? But so many times it's meshed together. So uh, the third thing I think is super important, and I said this with the restaurants, is if you're in the service industry, is review your sales by client right? The third metrics is who's spending the most with you. How much time are you spending on that service or with that client? What's your retention, right? Are they, is your business growing because of retention? Are you losing customers that, that, that were with you last year and gaining new ones? And are, you know, is there magic in, in what you have? Maybe you don't have a referral program and you've built this beautiful business with customers that are ongoing, but you're not asking them to send you more of the people that are just like them, right? So looking at your review by set your sales by client, um, looking at your projects and clients to see which ones are the most profitable. And then can you identify the magic in that, right? 
who's your ideal client, what's your ideal service, and then be careful not to duplicate the things that are not bringing a profit or bringing a, you know, some stability to the business. If your expense ratio is higher on one side, being able to identify that. And then lastly, um, what I would say is reviewing your percentage of income. You know, that, that same report when you're looking at the client by sales or services gives you what percentage of your revenue is being earned from each of these things. And I think so many people don't look at that to see where they could be making shifts and pivots um, and some changes in their business. So I know that's a lot, um, but it really is only four things. And, and I would love to share with you, I've actually put this together in like a PDF. So I will give you the link to that so that your audience, if they want to have this in a very easy um, metrics of being able to just pull something and say, okay, what were those three reports or four reports? It'll give them a really good place to start um, so that they can start to look at the cash flow planning and the review and asking themselves the right questions. Because it's not just pulling the numbers, it's then asking yourself, you know, how much do you need to break even each month? Um, how much do you need to have in the bank to have a three month capital account, a savings account? If you know your expenses, right? And, or you know what you're bringing home after expenses, what do you need to save for a capital account? Which right now um, is so important as people are moving through this uncertainty of COVID, people that had that ability to pull from savings or capital savings from their business or leverage credit even are feeling so much more secure than people that didn't. Right? Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And yeah, I know they're so grateful. The people that did that were so grateful. And those will be some of the, the businesses that emerge stronger when they come through this. I love what you said too about like, you know, really having your thumb on this on a monthly basis. If you're yeah. really looking at this every month, it can't go too far off course because you're on it, right? So it can only go yeah. far, you know, it can derail, but only for a short time before you're back aware of it again and, and pulling it back in. And I really think that that's important. I think in business, uh, you know, so many times you see people like you don't see it's like gaining weight, right? Right. Yeah, because you you know, it's it's one one pound, one pound, one. And then the next thing you know, it's 50, right? And you're yeah. doomed. And you're like, now, how am I going to get back on track? So I love that it's like that one month. And, um, and I also love how you broke it down. And I I've not done this. And I am going to actually change what I'm doing. But how you broke down, like breaking down where this money is being generated and then reviewing that like each month, like, oh, well, I didn't have any book sales, so I didn't generate money. So what can I do differently? Like, so next month I need to generate book sales, right? I need to keep every wheel on the bus turning in the right direction at the same time. And I love that. So I'm going to actually do that myself because I also have many streams of income. Yeah. And I don't track it that way. I can be the first one to just stand up and admit it uh, that I don't track it that way. And I really do think that that will help me and I'm sure it'll help a lot of other people. So this has been so great. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. So you can actually, the best ways to, to, to hang out and um, continue this conversation with me around vision flow and grow and the ability to to work yourself through the success path right because i'm always 
wanting to share as much as I can, the little nuggets along the way that will keep you inspired and empowered to work in all three of these buckets. I truly believe that the vision is what activates the money. And then if you're willing to look at the money, you're going to figure out where, where the growth you know, comes from and you can do your pivots and so forth. Uh, but the best place to find me would be, I have a Facebook community called Envision, Mastering Your Best Year in Life and Business. And I've got almost 500 people in the community and it's growing weekly. And it's strictly for entrepreneurs that are on this journey, right, of winning an entrepreneurship. It's a place where I share tips and it isn't just about me. The community is really engaged and um, it's an opportunity in there to continue to learn and, and be inspired and motivated, right? The things that we need, the resilience and the persistence um, is, is in there. And then also the ability to share your business, right? So I do, you know, follow me on Saturdays. You can share events and offers and different things. But it really is a great place for people to get to know a little bit about more about what I do and be in community with other people that are on the same journey. I love that. That's great. That's great. And also, just for the listeners, we'll have all of Michelle's links in the show notes as well. So you can just check them out there and you can find her as well there. And surely the link to order her book on Amazon. So this has been so great. And you know, Michelle, part of the She's Invincible podcast is that women tend to compare themselves to other successful women. And of course, they're comparing your mountaintop successful moments to their journey. And of course, they're always coming up short because we know as successful entrepreneurs that the success comes through the journey and that, you know, it isn't until we get to the mountaintop that we show up with the self-esteem and self-confidence and it's at an all-time high. But we never share our struggles because we know that that's not what we want more of, right? So when we are right. focusing on what we want more of, it's certainly not struggle, negativity, obstacles, and things like that. But we like to deliver hope here to women who are on their journey, who are overcoming obstacles day by day, taking those punches mm -hmm. in the ring and wondering, is it worth it, right? Is it worth it? Should I quit now? Should I turn back, you know? What should I do? Um, and maybe they even got knocked out. And so right now we're gonna share a few quick stories of your journey. So the first one that we're gonna share is your journey of the good. So can you share a quick story with our listeners about a good journey, part of your journey oh, here? Sure. Um, so I would say for me, the good would be clearly where I am today, right? It's it, I feel that today I am 100%, you know, when I turned that page and I had no idea what was next and I, and I really gave myself the time to, to go inward and figure out, you know, what, how I could use my gifts and talents today especially as we're moving through this um space where businesses have been closed right so many businesses have been closed now for three months or more including my own husband by the way who sold his landscaping company in november to open up a boxing gym to step into his next thing as well and 28 days later the doors were closed right unplanned transitions um the good for me is that i feel so in alignment with what i decided to step in and do. Um, my favorite thing, every week, every week, I get a note 
And it isn't just an email. I literally have notes behind me on my desk and and on my website, I named that instead of testimonials, I named it love notes because it really does feel as though, you know, when you're showing up and you're stepping on other people's journeys and you're being used in a way that makes an impact in their lives, that make an impact in their legacy, that makes an impact in them using their own gifts, it feels so damn good. And my good is the fact that I, I am waking up every day and a measurement for me is always, you know, what would make today a 10? And I can tell you this lap, the 2020 for me, even through the challenges of mustering through the changes with clients is the fact that I'm waking up every day. And I can tell you that every day is a 10. Um, doesn't mean easy, but energetically, I feel like I'm in a really good place. And that stems from the fact that clients have trusted me and trust trusted the process, trusted the Envision success path and did the hard work back last year and this year that has paid off and has allowed them to be okay with the fact that we, we had three months of an emergency fund, some people six months, when unemployment wasn't kicking in for 10 weeks and they thought that they could grab, you know, the EDL loans and the PPP loans. It wasn't as easy. I was right there, right there. I call it the war room. My daughter was having a baby. I flew down to South Carolina to be with her and the first 24 hours shit hit the fan. And I literally felt like I was in a war room for a week. I had 44 hours that I had mustered through trying to get information out to people when it, it, this was unprecedented. We didn't know what was going to happen with the money. It was just directing. And I will tell you that to see my clients be able to shift and pivot and have, I had six clients have their biggest revenue months in 12 months and they were closed. They were closed. Amazing. No business open, but we pivoted. We did some creative things. We pre-sold gift certificates. We pre-sold services. We went virtual online. Um, I have, you know, from fitness trainers to waxing studios to photography studios, like I've got clients all over the country and they've made it and they've actually made money. So for me, that's the good. It's knowing that the strategy piece of being able to have different perspective. When I look at other people's businesses, I feel like I have this ability to shift things around pretty quickly that allows them not to have their legs taken out, but mostly keeping them empowered in the planning stages. That's awesome. That's yeah. a great story, honestly, yeah, because good. yes, because you, you were courageous enough to, to really, you know, go after that calling and, you know, set this up and work with your clients and really invest this time in them and the knowledge that you, you really set them up. And because they said yes to you, right? Then what do they say? If you build it, they will come, yeah. right? They said yes to you. And because of that, look how they're celebrating today and how they're stronger and better. And that is such a great feeling. I know for you, I know you must feel He's just so grateful, right? Like we're I'm humbled so by yes, completely. And you know, yes. I always say that the best investment, you know, that you can make the, the best human capital investment that you can make is in yourself, right? So when women, it's a very hard decision to, to invite somebody on your journey. If you're not turning the profits and some of them are emerging, some of them are advancing. 
um, depending on where they are in the business, it's never an easy decision, right? Because you're always sitting as the CEO of your company thinking, well, should I invest those dollars over here or over here? It isn't always easy to choose to invest it in yourself and your own growth. And so when, when somebody makes that decision, I don't take it lightly. Um, it's a beautiful invitation. And and then they, they're doing the work, right? Because when you do make that investment, you're not sitting in indecision around it and you take action. Now you're you're lining yourself up to take more action. So yeah. yeah, it's a pretty good place to be. It feels great. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, that was great, great encouragement. Uh, and so the next one is the bad. So we're here to deliver hope, right? We're dealing hope and we want to share a quick bad story uh, to, just to give our listeners hope that maybe they're going through a tough time right now. Uh, but, you know, we figure these things out and we, we thrive, right? We don't oh, just survive. So many bad. I could give you so many bad. So, <laughs> but you'd only pick one. I'm going to pick one. So, you know, I'm going to pick the beginning of my journey. Um, oh my gosh, I was such a train wreck, you know? So I actually, I moved out at 19 years old. Actually, I left out. I was the girl that was like, yep, I got it all figured out. I'm an adult. And, and luckily for me, when I made that decision, Visa and MasterCard showed up as my angel investors, right? So I, I moved out. I you know, was making $11 an hour and, and I had all this confidence, right? <laughs> and um, a lot of immaturity around money. I was in a, in a place of it, all scarcity mindset. I'm going to show the world. I'm going to make six figures. It was like I answered every ad where you could make six figures. And it was from a place of, of lack and a place of scarcity. And I went into this, look what's showing up for me. Like my parents don't think I'm an adult, but Visa and MasterCard do. And payday loans were available. And I literally, in my first two and a half years, Cammie, I, I was $15,000 in debt. And that was before it was normal to have credit cards, right? Like my mother, I think, had a JCPenney card and nothing else. But I had started to stack the visa, the store cards, then the payday loans came in. And I just was like, there's the universe supporting me, right? There's my name on the check. I was envisioning, I had vision boards from the time I was 20. And I thought, this is, this is how it's supposed to be. Look world. It was a mess, right? So when <laughs> you talk about the bad, it was bad. And I had to figure out a way um, once I got clear that, that everything was shutting down, right? There was definitely more month than money. Um, there were no more loans. There were no more credit cards. And I had to figure it out. And I ended up getting my life insurance license. I went through a one-year tax course so that I could do taxes. And, and I was already working for a financial services person, thank God, because I was listening at the same time I was messing up. And... And I started to learn about the compound interest of money. I got my stockbroker's license. So I was in this like lie of my life. Like I'm going to keep up with the Joneses. Like the Joneses didn't even exist. I was 23. It was me, me, me. And I was just taking, when I was stressed, I'd take another vacation, throw it on a credit card. So the bad was that I really dug myself into this hole. So I understand guilt and shame. I was living in that place for quite some time and I had to figure it out. Right. And there weren't people talking about it back then. I, Tony Robbins was my guy. He wasn't talking about money. Now he's talking about money, but no one was talking about it. And I, and I started looking for a place that could help me. And I just started thinking, 
my grandmother did it right, right? The, the Christmas club, the rainy day fun, the cookie jar stuff. And, and I started, I got, was working three jobs, a full-time job and two part-time revenues to get myself out. And it took me almost three years, but I swore I'd never go back. Yeah. And so you never did go back. In fact, you actually went forward. I did. I did go forward. And I actually ended up buying the company that I worked for right before I turned 30. That was one of my goals to own a business by 30. And literally two weeks before I turned 30, I bought the company that I worked for. So I didn't go back and I just kept moving forward. And I knew that getting clear about my numbers, understanding my behavior and my habits and, um, and, and being, being content with where I was in the moment, but not complacent. And I think that's what I love teaching people is you don't, you have to be content with now, but it doesn't mean you have to be complacent with your goals and where you want to go. So um, that has definitely come through. So yeah, the, the bad turned into my good. I love that. And now we're going for ugly. We have to tell the ugly story because somewhere in this world, there's a woman who is face down and she is about to give up and she needs to hear your ugly story today so that you can inspire her to get back up. I feel like that was my ugly. Um, But, you know, I'll tell you, my ugly... I think we all have ugly. I feel like that's my ugly, but my ugly, I would tell you, like, if you think about ugly cry, right? when I think about ugly, I'm like, what's my ugly cry? I would say to you that um, two years ago, you know, I was on this journey. I've been on this journey now for six years and I took a year off, had no idea what I was going to do. And then stepped into this place of, um, I'm a Dave Ramsey financial coach. I was volunteering and leading his, his financial peace classes and became a master coach for him, but had no idea what that even meant. I never planned on doing that. I happened to thought I signed up for one thing and went to Nashville and found out I was in a boot camp and came out a certified um, counselor to work one-on-one with people. So I stepped into doing financial coaching when I started and I ended up writing the book because so many divorced women were showing up and I wasn't advertising for divorced women. So I really thought, Oh, I'm in this place of what's my purpose. And I thought this is it. And so of course I did the next smart thing and I decided, well, I'm going to market and be put the net out wider to divorce women. Thus, why I wrote the book, because I knew that I had a process coming through the, my own challenges of divorce and having to reset my lifestyle, because that was my second time that I had to reset. Um, I, I really believe that was my purpose. And I found that the work was depleting. I went and got my certified divorce financial analyst designation so I could get into mediation and work the numbers and help shorten the timeline and the legal fees that lawyers were taking the money and dragging things out. But if somebody like me comes in and gets the numbers straightened out, usually there's quicker negotiations. It was depleting me, energetically depleting me. So here I have this number one best-selling book. I've got all of this strategy around being used and thinking this is my purpose And I was not feeling good. I I was depleted. And when you want to talk about ugly cry, my own business coach and mentor said to me, the worst thing you did was write the book. And I was like, how could you say that? It's changing lives. Today now, even though I'm in the business arena working with entrepreneurs and that was a pivot, 
I still get emails and, and, and letters and cards weekly. So I know the work matters, but I had to take and apply my own pulses and say, am I having a 10? And I was having twos, threes, and fours. And I was completely depleted working 60, 70 hours a week again, which is why I stepped away from my insurance agency to simplify my life. And I was stuck in this ugly place if it wasn't working out. And and I came to the conclusion in my ugly cry that I really had stepped into this chapter thinking that I was supposed to leave all of the things in my last chapter there. That was different. That was insurance. Those were my gifts over there. And this chapter was about my purpose. And the reality was in my ugly cry modes that I realized I hadn't brought my unique gifts and talents. They were on the shelf sitting over there in the last chapter and I hadn't brought them over. And I just remember being like, it took me a couple of weeks to get through that process of lots of ugly crying to realize that I had to pivot in my business. And as soon as I got over what I thought it was supposed to look like, and you know, was I quitting before the miracle was happening? Was I not standing in faith that I, you know, could be of service when I took my hands off the wheel on the divorce work and I, put up something that said I was going to offer some business strategy, my practice filled, my events filled. When I put up a cruise for divorced women, 452 people said they were going and nobody made a deposit. When I put up a workshop, 92 people said that they were coming and nobody made a deposit. So, you know, sometimes we have to pay attention, just like when we look at the metrics of the numbers, I could see that I wasn't in the right place. It wasn't aligned with my vision. The life that I wanted to create was not 80 hours a week. I shifted from that. And, and quite honestly, I was taking a pulse on my own energy and it wasn't there. It was completely depleted. So my ugly was that I really thought I was in the space I was supposed to be in. And then it all got sort of shifted and pivoted to get me to where I am today. And I, my belief is that the work is in the world and I'm not sure, maybe there'll be a nonprofit someday. I don't know. But the ugly was accepting that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I think that's so common for so many of us in a broken marriage, right? 23 year relationship, ugly, not that it was an ugly breakup, but it was ugly that my dreams were broken. My fairy tale failed. And then all of that, my money story, like there's so many uglies. And then we wipe off our things. We have a good boohoo crew that's going to hold the tissues and give us the wine or the chocolate or whatever we need. And we pick ourselves up. We embrace our resilience, we embrace our persistence, and we move forward. We move forward. And I love that that's what this is about. Yes, and I do too. And I love that story because it was that ugly in the moments of ugly that brought you to your greatest, greatest moments of success. And, you know, I say this all the time and I'm going to say it again is when everything looks like it's falling apart, it could be falling together. And it sounds yeah. like that's exactly what happened with you. Yeah. And, and I, and this is what I say is what if you gave up? There's so many women and men out there today that are reading your books and listening to your story and they're going to listen to this podcast yeah. and there's so many people's dreams that are connected to you. And if you didn't get back up, they would never be able to realize their dreams. Agreed. So thank Keep you. Going. Keep going. Yeah. Thank you for being invincible, for getting back up and for being courageous and for chasing your dreams because you're giving other people permission to chase their own. 
Thank Thanks you, so much for being here today with us, Michelle. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the thank bottom you. of my heart. And to all of you listening today, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you are face down on the ground, get back up, girl. Get yes. back up. You can do it. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.